It can be a gift when we have some time and space to pause, to breathe, to be present in our bodies and pay attention to what we're feeling and what we really need. And we may not always have the luxury of that space as we move through life with all the other things that call for and maybe even demand our attention. fullness and busyness of our lives, we may not believe we have any attention left to give our bodies and our needs, or that the needs of our bodies may get in the way of other things that matter to us. Welcome to Soma-ing, the podcast that explores how and why the capacity to pay attention to the experience in our bodies actually really matters and can support anything and everything that's important to us. I'm Dr. Twyla Kovalenko, movement facilitator, dancer, somatic educator, and coach. And I invite you to join me as I interview some amazing humans who share personal stories of how being able to pay attention to the experience in their bodies has made a real difference in what matters to them and where they share simple and practical ways you can pay more attention to your body throughout your day-to-day and support what matters to you. So today on the Soma Ng show, I get to welcome Dr. Christine Belrose, who also goes by Clicly. And um, I'm really looking forward to the conversation today with you, Clicly. Um, and Krikri uh, and I have um, been in part of each other's academic journeys um, and kind of ex- and, ex- and uh, having some really deep physically and also thought, thought-wise around somatics and the connection of somatics. And um, I've gotten to be part of a working group that Krikri leads for a couple of years now. And I am always so inspired by your thoughtfulness and intentionality of what you do. Like there's so much care in the shaping and articulation of what you do and what you offer. Um, and uh, I just, appreciate you and appreciate the ways we've got to move together. So I'm excited to get to have this conversation with you today and explore things in a, a yeah, have a, have a new conversation to get to learn from you and your, your wisdom and experience. Merci, merci, nice. Ah, it makes me feel good. Um, yeah. It's, it's good to be with you and it's good to hear your voice. Uh, I'm, uh, um, I was looking forward to this because I know it's, it's, always, uh, it's always good to share some time with some somatics fellows and uh, I know I'm gonna feel really blessed and calm after this, even through conversation. So I'm standing right now up. I'm standing up in front of the camera so I can move around 
because hey somatics is like the availability of movement and so i like to i like to sense my body standing up um i'm bare feet on the recently sweeped floor so it's a wooden floor there's a big window to my left um springtime so we're in Gatineau area right now so that's just outside of Ottawa so there's a ton of snow melting and some um gray sky and sunlight coming it's a it's a good day it's a good day mm. I know. Yeah, well, I, I so appreciate. See, this is exactly what I mean, like just this care of introducing us. So for those of us that can see you, you know, I, I don't see out your window right now. And for you to, to share, to share the experience of your feet on the floor. And, you know, Kri and I were spending a little while before we started this recording of getting all the technical and aesthetical, aesthetic, aesthetic pieces, you know, making sure we can be heard and seen and all this. And I'm really <coughs> curious about how we still attend to what we're experiencing when when the attention's focused on what the appearance of it is. It's my turn. I guess it's a uh, uh, you know a, a lot of a lot of it for me is um, comes from the relationship between the mouth and the digestive tract and all that availability and relaxation or like availability, I'd say, of, uh, of my intestine and small intestine and, you know, this whole like bunch of bowels sitting below my diaphragm, the availability of that. And so when I'm standing up, there are less compressed, and if they're less compressed, my diaphragm can be lower. If my diaphragm is lower, my lungs have more room to breathe. If my lungs have more room to breathe, my voice gets lower. I get less tense. Um, when my lungs are lower, my kidneys can rise a little bit, so I don't need to go pee so often. You know, it's it's a whole like kinetic chain really important it's uh it's somatic like this you know i i used to teach english for a number of years in china uh, to very able capable um business people high high-end people and you know they'd say like quickly we want to speak better english because we want to negotiate we want to get you know raise promotion and they're in china so we're talking about like working for inter international companies where the language is like primarily English, Mandarin and Russian sort of thing. So I teach them, you know, I'd say I can teach you English, but the best thing is just remember that you're nervous at your interview because you don't breathe. And if you don't breathe, you die. Therefore you're nervous at your interview because you're dying bit by bit. <laughs> So the whole thing is like, you know, I, I'm going to fill my belly now. And for the camera, I'm just like exaggerating, but uh, I'm just like filling, filling my stomach. So it's like big. Uh, and then like 
feeling my back so my kidneys are like floating in this blissful space and yeah and if you can't do that standing up then you're doing it in your chair and you're just like wiggling your pelvis so you have availability and if that's not available then do it lying down or something you know but don't don't suck your tummy don't suck your tummy in Hmm. I, I'm, I'm, I'm so appreciating your self-awareness of your experience in your body. And I'm curious, maybe for our audience, if you could share a little bit about your background of, um, of study and practice in somatics, so people have a sense of all the, the, the vast amount of work and practices you've done in tuning into your body. Okay. Um, so somatic is a late, I'm a latecomer to somatics. I suppose like a lot of people do um, find somatics like after everything else, after their bodies break down, they find somatics. For me, it, my body wasn't even broken down. So it goes like this. I go back to university. I'm in my um, early 40s, early 40s when I'm doing a master's, I guess. And then... <clears throat> Uh, I read this book. It's by Sandra Frawley. It's called Researching Dance. So uh, I, I read this book. I really like what she says. So I start reading her other books and I find out that she's a phenomenologist and she's also working on a space-time concept called Ma. It's a Japanese Zen Shinto concept. So I'm like, huh, I'm interested in this woman. I'm, I Google her up. I find out she's living not very far away from Toronto, uh, Brockport, just across the border. So I email her, I drop a line, just like a one, two, three liners, actually, three liners. And I say, hello, would you like to have tea? Because I know she spent some time in Japan and I know that she would appreciate me making tea for her. So I'm like, I would like to make tea for you. Um, would you like to invite me to your house and we can talk about phenomenology and ma? And then, and then she's like, whoa, this is lovely. Sandra Frawley, she actually emailed me back. She called me. She called me when I was in, um, in a store shopping for maple syrup. What is this? And then I was shopping for maple syrup and she calls me and she's like, oh, would you like to meet me? I'm like, oh my God. I almost like, I fell backwards. I was like, I almost passed out. I was so starstruck. And then there was like this stash of like maple syrup on, on sale behind me. And she's like, come and visit me. But the thing is, she doesn't live in Brockport anymore. She lives in Utah. And she's like, I'm giving a workshop in two weeks, a week-long workshops on somatics in Utah. I was like, somatics, whatever. I just want to meet the lady. So then <clears throat> I drive my car 10,000 kilometers with my dog back and forth, five-day driving with like a 2009 tiny little Hyundai three-door in the big mountains of Colorado, in the big mountains of Utah. I arrived there and I do somatics and I was just like, oh, somatics, what's this? And then we start rolling on the floor. <laughs> and then after that, we do like body work. So it's basically Feldenkrais. She's a student of Feldenkrais. So her brand is like Shin Somatics, East West Shin Somatics. And yeah, so I started doing that. I just started doing, she's like, oh, you, you can have a certificate with me and graduate in somatics. And I was like, oh, whatever. I just want to talk with the lady. Uh, about phenomenology in Ma. And then she brings me to these gorgeous mountains, which are Mukuntuweap, um, that's the Zion National Park. They're in Utah. 
And it's the end of it's the end of winter, December. There's snow on the floor on the ground. And I can't stand still because it's so beautiful outside. So I don't even listen to the conference that's going on. I walk outside. I I walk outside. I, I get all my clothes off, even if it's winter. And I put some white clothes that I usually perform in white clothes. So I put some white clothes. I walk into the river. I walk into the river. It's a freezing river because the river is like melted snow from December snow. And I'm listening to the mountain and I'm super attuning to the mountain. And I'm breathing with the mountain. And I'm like in, in water for an hour. And um, I start performing there in the boulder. And that photo made it to the cover of her book that's called Somatic Dance and Yoga moving consciously it's called and then so that was in i guess 2014 and every year i'd go and visit her every year i'd go and visit her and every year you know like i i train in somatics and i i would <clears throat> make relationship with like my movement performance art outside because i do movement performance art outside started to become better because i was attuning to myself and attuning to the land Whereas before my movement performance art was like intuitively attuning to everything, but I didn't have like, I didn't rehearse, I didn't practice some of the techniques or like understand my body language, like the language that my body would say like, remember we did that in the um, training. Now this is serving you to attune better. So that's the long story to say that Eventually, I caught up to the teaching of somatics that were given to me. And I became like in love with like rolling on the floor and then mixing that with my movement performance art. So not, so I just did a whole PhD on somatics and movement performance art. And yeah, that's a somatics happened to me. It just happened to me. I totally didn't seek it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing. I didn't know that story. And you know, something I I love in listening to you. And and I wonder, I I don't know, you know, I wonder if this is part of because of your work in, you know, ecosomatics of tuning in to your environment as well as what you're sensorily feeling in your body. And I notice so much, like when you share your story, there's so much detail of what you're experiencing and what's around you that I can more deeply feel, you know, your experience because you're sharing the experience of your car and the mountains and the maple syrup shop. And I find that really um, unique. Um, I don't know if that has, if, um, you know, you are articulating so clearly about the environment and your experience in it has come from the focus of your work? I don't know if you know that. Or uh, yeah, have always yes. been quite descriptive. Uh, yes. Um, the, the affinity I have with describing the world led me to, to work with phenomenological descriptions. And that led me to Santrafrali, that led me to somatics. And in somatics, I'm learning 
in somatics from others and then I'm learning from doing with my own body and both you know experiencing some of the things that everything works together everything works oh sometimes they don't work together but that everything is enmeshed with everything and when you pull this this will you know ring a bell or something it's, it's all entangled in somatic it's all entangled so the theory of somatics is something that I already practiced by default in my life but somatics gave me the word to explain it and also the word also the language or the philosophy to be at peace with that and to be at peace with that that is what that is I did more and more I do some readings on neurodivergent people and neurodiversity mm. and I was diagnosed diagnosed it's a terrible world I was um uh labeled when I was 12 years old as um, super intelligent and I can't remember high IQ they call it hmm. so they put me with a whole bunch of other kids who had IIQ to apparently give us IIQ stuff and it was also an art school so I was an art school and high high IQ so that just stays like that and then throughout my life studies had shown that high IQ people were um, majority of high IQ people would be um, high school dropouts. I didn't finish my high school. I finished it at home, but I didn't go to high school proper, like in the institution. Uh, you know, they'd have um, problems socializing or did they'd be like socially deficient or something like that. So that's things like this. And then recently, maybe in the past three years, that more research have come out where they can understand how um, people who think in a web kind of thing, like when I think everything goes everywhere. So because everything goes everywhere, it's very easy for me to think of solutions really fast because I can pull some things like really fast everywhere, but it's really also difficult for me to make a sentence that's just Twitter long because I can't explain my world and I can't explain myself in one sentence because that's definitely not how I think. Mm. So it's been a struggle for me all the time <clears throat> when I see, when I introduce myself that I speak in one sentence or if somebody says, can you summarize this meeting? I'm just like, the summary of the meeting is going to be longer than the meeting because I want to talk about everything because without these everything, the world doesn't make sense to me. You know? Like the fact that you shrug your shoulders and laugh and like I can see that perhaps you relate or you relate to something that happened to you or you relate to like your experience of me. But you know, like all these details make the world mm. 3D, like what it is. So that's a... That's what somatics really calmed me down and gave me the tool to go, okay, I have this affinity to like be connected and to follow every thread. So let's go somatic. And then also my community has a lot of people who are somatically inclined, whether they're like researchers or like therapists, dancers or neuroscientists. 
So finally, I'm surrounded by peeps who they relate, you know. Hmm. You know, what, what I'm, one of the things that I'm hearing from you is this whole world of somatics has um, supported your natural attention to the interconnection of all of many aspects of experience, whereas before it, you know, there was this expectation to fit in some box and summarize and, and, and cut things off and, and instead now you know, actually celebrating and demonstrating, you know, why, why it's important that we can attend and see the interconnections. And I guess that's maybe prefacing my next question, because I think this is, um, from my understanding, some of the research that you do is, you know, why, why, why would it be interesting, uh, interesting, important for us to see the interconnections um, particularly with environment or different facets, um, you know, why would we want to, you know, we could, we could live the world through Twitter and, uh, and what would we be missing if we did, if we didn't have, you know, the, the depth of articulation that someone like you is offering us. Yeah. Well, there's, if I'm able to offer the plurality of that, I'm also understanding that some people don't have, like, you know, some people might eat an apple and just have the sensation in their mouth of a bit of food coming into their mouth and you know like they have like a 2d understanding of having eaten that apple they're not able to connect the plurality of these experiences and some people are able to connect the plurality of these experiences and I think it's something that we can develop but I'll have to work with like a neuroscientist and uh, and people who are neurodivergent um, and have you know some people who have like uh, had had like neurological trauma or like psychological trauma where they can't connect things. So I'm saying that these can be worked on. Maybe I'm wrong, and uh, that's fine. I think where we're missing when we're not connecting is that we're just really probably don't want to go there so much for this podcast, but the neoliberal system is functional when we don't have a lot of flavor. You know, it's just homogenizing everything, including like just one verb per argument on one subject and one complement, and that's it. It just serves like a purpose of delivering fast pace, not too disturbing material. And we're not connecting things and we're making a whole bunch of different theories like decolonization, you know, like we have to like, uh, um, what, reconciliate and decolonize and, and it's just like, wait, just go outside and look at the bugs waking up from the winter that are like just under this pile of molding rubbish compost that winter really forced together as a little like piece of biscuit. And then these insects are just like waking up, like this world is accessible for us. It's right outside. Mm. It's accessible to see 
nature waking up after winter and then summer coming and what's accessible is like the quality of the air is different. Um, how you breathe the air is gonna be different. The sound is gonna be different. We no longer walk on snow. It doesn't go crunch crunch anymore. You know, we have like swoop swoop and swoosh whoosh, like all these sounds because it's wet and, and dry and this rubbles. Uh, so this is accessible, but we have like, we have made things that are detached. Everything is labeled and detached and packaged and not complex and not attached. So then we need to have all these theories around it that are like, oh, wait, we need all these theories to repair this and repair that. It's like, oh, wait, mm. everything is functional, even if it doesn't, you know, like even someone, I don't know how to say this, but if you are a person listening or watching and you're, and you live your life in a chair that brings you mobility everywhere, you, you still have access to all the wonderful wonders around you in the way that you can process them. And that's enough and that's beautiful. And I have the ability to see a lot of wonders and stuff like that and to get lost in a lot of like wonderful things happening inside and outside and in connection. And, and that's fantastic. And some people, you know, have, the end of their their own dementia and they just live in their memories and that's beautiful too these connections this thing about like label and labelizing and like refining and cutting is artificial it doesn't exist anywhere in the world it's just in like a neoliberal like in the economy we have right now it just exists in that it never exists it doesn't exist anywhere else mm. <clears throat> You can never like take a dollar and put it on the ground and it's going to grow a tree of dollars, you know, like a dollar doesn't die and it doesn't get reborn. Mm. <laughs> mm. I, I'm, I'm hearing so, so much sharing of richness and sort of an invitation you have for those around you to experience more the richness of life. And I think many of us can forget to attend, particularly to things in the natural world, you know, as you're talking about how sensorially it changes so much as those of us that live in places with seasons, it changes, you know, what the sounds are, what the sensations are, how it feels in our body, even the clothes that we need to wear through the seasons and, you know, the sensations on our skin of the different temperatures. And we don't generally attend to that. And our attention is not on the environment and not on the experience in our bodies generally, you know, cause we have often believed it's more important to attend to, I don't know, whether it's theories or learning or the work we need to do or whatever it is, you know, we have beliefs about what it's important that, that we attend to and I guess part of the purpose of the show is, you know, I really believe it's, it's critical that we relearn how to attend to the experience inside and outside through the sensations in our body, you know, how, and 
and sharing more about like how that does really make a difference in things that matter to us. Um, you know, because we can think, oh, well, just, you know, my success in my career is what matters. And so why would I want to attend to the changing seasons and the bugs waking up? And I'm just with sharing all that, I'm curious what your response would be. Uh, uh, it's so vast, I guess. Hmm. Okay, I want to share a lesson that's really a big lesson for me, and I'll try to be prompt for this one. I first attended York University. I arrived there from having lived in China for a decade, and before that, Vancouver, and before Montreal. And I was like, I arrived there by bus through the back part of York University, I guess, campus that was still in construction. And my heart sank so low. I thought, this has got to be the ugliest place I've seen in my life. I'm like, I've been into ugly places, like countryside that I've been bombed. And that place was like ugly. And I was like, oh, my God, I just signed up for higher studies. Like, I'm going to be there for six years. I got to do something. So I put my white clothes because I wear white. That's a, there's a whole story about the white clothes wearing because I used to do um, visual kinetic and projection on my body. And white clothes catches the video projection really well. I just never changed or updated my wardrobe. So I still wear these white clothes. That's why. So I. I wore these white clothes to go and, and perform. The whole week, I performed something that I called threading unity. And the idea was like to take a thread and to attach it to a building and just walk until I am in like a wild side, like not a building, like the grass, for example. And then with a needle, we thread unity thread the grass and bring it back and knot it to the building and back and forth and having like this symbolic thread so i have a needle and i do this for a few days i'm sitting down and i'm in a performative zone which means i'm super hyper attuned and i'm also you know, I'm, I'm proud of myself. Like I'm a performer and I have this great idea. So I'm like removed at the same time. I'm attuned and I'm removed. And I go to poke this grass and I see a little worm walking on this. Do you know how big a worm is on a grass? It's like tiny. Mm -hmm. I just little worm going up to plate and I'm about to like skewer it with my needle because I've got this grand performative idea of like threading unity. <laughs> I wanna cry. I just stop. And then I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> hey, I'm a big human. I come here with a needle. I decide to make this place more beautiful by poking every little worm's body to make art. So I'm, I'm I'm crying right now. I just, you know, I, I, it's just like such a big lesson that the land gave me and just said, you know, be humble, be humble. And that really started my relationship anew with performance and the land 
um, because wherever I am, I'm always going to step on the worm. <laughs> am I going to stop walking? I don't think so. I just got to like be humble, see the differences between us, continue, acknowledge, love, understand that, you know, sometimes when I, I like to perform in the cold, I don't like to perform in the cold. I perform a lot in the cold. And so I've, you know, I have to be humble and say, it's too cold right now. I got to go put some clothes on and go warm myself up. I, and the different, you know, the difference between inside and outside is such a big humbling lesson. For some people it could be love. It, I, it's love too for me. But it, when I'm like, go to Hawaii, I, I've, I've been to Hawaii, and I want to make beautiful pictures of my performance in the ocean. <laughs> it's like the ocean is like, you know, you see like the, the ocean in Hawaii, and they're like, oh, let's go make beautiful bikini pictures on the beach. It's, you're doing performance in Hawaii. The water is powerful in Hawaii. I mean, it's an island, islands, many islands, in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Hawaii is a mountain that is taller than Mount Everest. If you, cal if you cal calculate its height from the bottom in the sea, can you imagine all the forces at play that make like the rip current go strong? You know, some people are like, oh, we're all one. It's like, no, I don't have gills. I'm not a fish. <laughs> I'm not one with the ocean. I'm different than the ocean. And so I need to have a negotiation with the ocean when I do a performance. Because it's going to skewer me. <laughs> mm. Or she's going to skewer me. I should say she. So that's, that was a short story. <laughs> you know, from talking to you today, I'm having this, this insight or understanding um, of how powerful and important it can be for others to share their experience in their body, the sensorial experience of life. And I think that's why a lot of literature can be really powerful when we, it, it, it goes back to that expanding the richness, you know, like life, like when I sit here and listen to you, I'm experiencing like a greater amount of richness in my body through listening to your words describing, which is interesting because so much somatic practice we do, you know, without words and we do on our own. And I'm just seeing, you know, that it's, that's, it's not only about remembering to feel the sensation of the chair on my back, which is a thing too. And that through you know, just when we speak with each other, when we speak about the experience in our body, it can really, really make a, a difference for each other. Like you are making a big difference for me. Like the experience in my body is shifting. And if we were just talking about academic theories or something, I wouldn't feel this much engagement and I wouldn't feel as full in my body. And I'm, and, and, you know, your story actually reminded me and connected another piece of that when you were talking about how ugly York campus is. And so I also was there studying for many years. And um, 
a number of years ago, a colleague and I, he was somebody I knew through my um, dance uh, and contact improvisation community, we would go to some little area surrounded by buildings and dance together. So we would do some, you know, improvisational contact dance in the middle of the buildings. I can't even tell you exactly where. And I remember commenting to him how ugly I think, you know, York is. They're just like so ugly. And he's like, what? I, I find it so interesting. And he shared his experience of the shapes and angles of the buildings and how he felt that in his body. And it, from that point on, changed my experience of being there. You know, like, because he shared what it felt like in his body to be around these, these buildings, then, you know, it, it changed me. And I guess I'm seeing just, you know, and having this little time with you of seeing the power of, of your work and, you know, all your work in articulating these things to, to shift others' experience, my experience or, or anyone else who's watching or listening, our experience of life and hopefully expanding the richness in positive ways. Yeah. Yeah, it's true, a window, yeah, right when we share. Yeah. Uh, we share our window to seeing the world and uh, there are many, there, there, there are many, there are many windows <laughs> or we share like a lens, you know, there are many lens, that's a, uh, I think somatics, um, if you, if you, I describe, and I know you do too, sensorially. Somatics is a word that's used a lot. In the United States, they will talk about social somatics. And, and so social somatics might be something that's the individual related to the society, related to the environment. Um, but I, I think it's really important when we use and claim to use the word somatic in we have to have an understanding of structures as well. So structure of society, but structure of the body. And understanding structures, we're able um, to understand that a different worldview also has a structure. And so if a different worldview has a structure, then we're able to see through this worldview because people give us an explanation of its structure, you know, like your friend saying, I'm dancing, there's these buildings, the angles, how they're close, how they're far. So that's like a structure of a spatial arrangement. And then we can latch on the structure and experience this worldview by proxy, you know, by sharing. So it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's just, I think understanding the body how the body works, not how the body should work, but like what, what makes the body such a complex, the human body such a complex structure, allow us to, to validate and hold space for a multiplicity of experience of that structure, including people who, you know, like might have 
wires crossed or like me you know like my synapse just like fire everywhere it's like oh i understand this and then it's it's a valid experience it's a valid experience the experience of the structure is a valid experience not only like the empirical understanding of how it works when computer tells you how it works and stuff but the experiencing the experiencing how it is you can share it with other people and people can relate to you and and in turn hold space for their experience to bloom to expand and for holding space for others experience so thinking mm -hmm. about connectivity in these ways rather than having a theory that says oh you have to reconciliate because this feels it's like well how do you i know you have to but how do you what you know what is it you know what i what i'm hearing and understanding i don't know if this is what you said and you can correct me but what i'm hearing some powerfulness of what you just shared is speaking from experience so if i you know told you you know the sky is white and that's not your experience right now i mean maybe there's that's not a good example but anyways you know if yeah, i it is. something example. that if i state something and your experience is different you're going to argue with me if i'm stating right. sky is white instead of experiencing like when i look out the window i'm seeing like just even articulating it from from my from my experience and from my sensation then gives space for you to have your experience from your sensation and we can experience things similarly or differently and neither neither is right or wrong they're part of our experience as opposed to you know arguing about how you know that that something is objectively one way or the other yes i don't think we were going to take our conversation there i've never thought about it about in this way and i don't think you you didn't come to me to, uh, to ask about this so it's i'm surprised i'm thinking live with you but i think he, my, my brother and i my both my brother are color something colorblind yes colorblind and then uh they don't see green and which is really weird green green and brown are reversed so they see both, but they're reversed. Also, they see sort of gray. My little brother sort of sees gray. And so we knew this because at, uh, in kindergarten, you have to draw a tree. And the tree is like green leaves and brown trunk. That's the norm. So they, of course, drew a brown leaves and a green trunk. Everybody laugh at them and it's like, ah, oh, what is this? For me, I'm the oldest. I was the first one to be laughed at because my head is like synesthesia. Everything goes everywhere. And I drew the trees with a whole bunch of different colored leaves. And I was the only one doing this. <laughs> and everybody laughed and I was like, but it's autumn out there. Like how does people draw green trees when it's like October? I don't get it. Like the trees are multicolored. So that was my experience. These are my brother's experience. I'm saying this because it, it, instead of having a relationship where what the other sees is different and different is all the explanation you need. It's like a flat 2D difference. And then you can say that's not good. 
But if that difference is like populated with a wealth, a richness so complex, you know, it's like, this is how I actually observe the world day to day. I see autumn and my brothers are like, this is how I see the world. Brown is green and green is brown. Cool. <laughs> so, you know, like their bread, morning bread is green. That's weird, but you know, it, it's not. So like the, everybody has a wealth of experience. Everybody should have a wealth of experience. There's a whole bunch of traumatic situation that makes the world narrow and removed from the senses. But everybody should be granted space and place to have their wealth of experience that everything is the world. And then when somebody says, this is different, and you go, oh, this is different. This is a whole other bag of like, wealth and richness differences instead of just saying oh 2d this 2d difference is like ew <laughs> you know and you kick it mm. yeah wow yeah That's what amazing. i you know what i'm experiencing from our, our talk today is just this invitation to really listen for somebody's unique experience and see how that can you know, add richness to our own experience, as well as speaking about our own experience, and I guess an invitation, maybe I'd offer the invitation to our audience to try out sharing, you know, articulating their experience of what's around, of what's within, um, with others in their life, and, uh, you know, to have the experience I'm having with you of so much richness because of what you are sharing with me and sharing much more than I, than a lot of people do when I speak with them about what you're seeing, sensing, you know, even before we got on, you were telling me about experience of the floor and you swept it and then you got some um, scent and were describing the scent for me. And, you know, there's just so much full body invitation for me. And I think that's something we can give to ourselves and each other. By, by sharing more. I'm, I'm gonna say um, a short sentence is, if you don't know how to describe it, some people say, I don't know how to describe it. And of course, a lot of the body's intelligence is pre-verbal. Like we don't have, it hasn't come to the consciousness where you can neurologically express it in words, or you simply don't know the words, or an English, like, like or a language like English is impoverished, only has words that serves the culture of present, which doesn't have words for a multiplicity of things, or has words for like putting things aside, like art aside. Then just describe it, you know, it moves front, it moves back. I had a student tell me, I asked a student recently, a bunch of students, a group of students, pardon me, to describe what they best like to touch and one student said a book. And I said, oh, you like to touch it. I was thinking paper cut. And I was like, ah. And she's like, she said, I like the weight of the book. So for her, you know, the touch is the weight. That's okay. Like just describe what's around it. If you don't have the word perfectly for that, just look for the web that's connected to it. Make up a word. <laughs> like soma-ing. You came up with soma-ing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and I'm just going to bring in one more thing, you know, when we were uh, discussing having this interview, you shared about your experience 
with the with a metaphor and you offered this metaphor of a pastry and sent me a picture of the pastry and we're talking about the experience and it just gave me this richness and so just you know you know, I love how you're inviting just to, to not have to make it complex or perfect in terms of when we share about our experience. You know, if we don't have the words, just the words that are there and sometimes sometimes a metaphor, sometimes it's it feels, and it doesn't have to make sense and it can be, you know, like it feels like pink or I don't know, whatever is arising. Yay. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for sharing, for sharing just this little small snippet of some of your experience and work and what matters. And um, yeah, you've made a difference in my life just in our talk today. So I really appreciate oh, the time to speak. It's so good. I'm, I feel really surrounded by, by you and your effort. I wish you well and so am. Let's talk again. Uh, when I have a better microphone too, or maybe I'll have new experience or something like that. And you've uplifted my day. That's that's for sure the day. So, oh. mm. and thank you for those who are gonna listen or hear. If you have comments or something, I'm sure that Twala has an outlet for comments and just experience, have fun. And if you don't find sensing anything, that's okay too, because that's probably what's happening. And that's a very rich experience in itself. You know, it's rich that you're connecting to the abilities or the world connecting or not. As soon as you think about it, it is a connection already. That sounded wise. Yeah. Thank you. That it doesn't, that we doesn't, the experience doesn't need to be any particular way. Just the, pro, this, the intention of attending to our experience is what matters in itself. Yeah. It's what feeds you in the cell. It matters for the world and it feeds you and it feeds the world. So big, big, big belly. <laughs> big belly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Merci. Thank you for tuning in to Soma Ing. I hope you enjoyed this episode and are moving forward with new tools to be aware of the experience in your body and knowledge of how that can support what matters to you. Soma Ing episodes are also available in video format on YouTube by searching Soma Ing. I'm Dr. Twyla, your host, and until next time, remember, you can Soma anytime and anywhere. <laughs>